Why do paladins wear chainmail? Because it's holy armor. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 72 of the MTG Untapped podcast. I am your host. I am the Micah, and joining me as always, he is my friend. He is also yours. He is Costa. How are you? I'm alive, surprisingly. I'm still alive. Do you have another near-death experience? I do. I did. I did have another one that I was saved just for this. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it wasn't near death. It wasn't as bad, but. Uh... Well, tell us what happened. Well, uh, I got rear-ended yesterday coming from Run Rock, so that was fun dang your car okay car's okay i'm okay uh, i did get a little whiplash and then afterwards i felt pretty sore back felt kind of weird and i felt kind of nauseous afterwards but uh yeah basically the the girl that was driving behind me she wasn't paying attention but and it could be taking me for a run around i don't know but it looked like she was already crying kind of before like not before she hit me but like she hit me i looked in the rear view mirror and she was already crying and apparently she just got news that her mom's dying. And so the boyfriend was like, dude, I'm real sorry. She's depressed right now because we just found out that her mom's dying and this and that seemed pretty genuine. And he was real cool. Like gave me insurance, all that stuff. So, but yeah, two weeks in a row. It's pretty awesome. So how is she the one driving? Uh, she, right. she was driving. He was in the passenger seat and he got out because she was still bawling. And so he came to talk to me for her. And then she, open the door and she's just still bawling like i am so sorry this and that whatever so i know but it's like you're someone like that finds out devastating news i i wouldn't be i think i think she i think they literally just found out like that that's kind of like the gist that i I mean whatever i got hit no matter (laughs) i'm we're glad we're glad you're okay uh all right um uh, let's go on to the phase in we got loads to talk about uh talk about something that's not magic still kind of nerdy uh where do you, where do you want to start this oh well you, you brought up kenobi last week so let's just start from there all right we are three episodes in on kenobi which is hilarious because the show's been out less than a week well i guess was when this release it will be a complete week oh wait the wait right. the third episode's already out yeah you haven't watched that one yet no no i've already done one and two oops yeah, because uh, they released the first two on Friday, but they went back to like Wednesdays. Interesting. Okay. Well, you can catch me up on it with a little bit of you right. have to spoil anything for it. But. Through through two episodes, um, there's a lot I liked. There's a lot I didn't like. I feel like there's like because they were all directed by the same person, Deborah Chow. She did some episodes of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um. But they felt like some parts of it, like the different episodes, felt like they were written by like different people. Like everything has to do with Kenobi, and like I guess spoilers for whatever we talk about, skip to ten minutes or whatever. Uh, everything has to do with Kenobi and like little Leia. I'm like, I'm in. Uh, but then everything has to do with the Inquisitors. I'm like, that looks like it was written meant for a cartoon, and it did not translate well to live action. And I was just kind of mad on all that. And uh, through like the first two episodes, I said I was telling people my score for it was an eight point two. Like it's good. Like I'm Kenobi's like one of my all time favorite fictional characters, and um, I'm glad to be getting more of him. He's getting his own show, so I like the show. Yeah, I'm a little different. I, I really tried to temper my expectations going into it, but it's really hard mm-hmm. when Kenobi. I mean, it's kind of like the first. I mean. 
I don't know how it is for most people. I know Luke, especially for people who grew up in the eighties watching star Wars, like Luke was the guy. Right. But mm-hmm. I think Kenobi honestly is even bigger than that, but just like in a low key way. And so going into this, I'm still like, okay, I don't want to get like too hyped about it, but it's kind of hard not to. And, uh, I don't know. It's okay. I mean, I agree with you. It's like, it's like Dr. Strange mid eight kind of range right now. Um, for the first two episodes that I saw. Yeah. Same thing. The inquisitors and that whole thing seems very like they try to port it from the cartoon network, you know, rebels, whatever the clone war stuff. And Mm -hmm. it didn't really go well there. Uh, the little Leia thing is pretty neat and whatnot, but I'm wondering since it's the same director, I'm wondering if like there's a little laziness there where it's like, Oh, we had like baby Grogu, baby Yoda, you know? So we just need something really cute in there to throw with the, the main person. And I don't know. I don't know what the third brought, but the, well, the, like the, cause like the, I still think it's produced by Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau. Mm-hmm. So, like Deborah Chow's the one directing all the episodes, but she's not necessarily the one who wrote. Because like, there's like the sh- whoever's the showrunner. I think that's still John and Dave. Sure. Uh, so they're in charge of like putting together the writing team, making sure everything's moving to where they want it to go. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I li- I'm okay with the like the little Lisa because I feel like considering like the context of like what's Obi Wan's mission during this time, it's like he's watching over Luke. So what should be the one thing that can get him to leave that mission? The other one, right? No, yeah. for Star Wars forever year, years ago, <laughs> Luke's sister. Um, so I get that, but I also get kind of get it's like they could have just did a different kind of story, I guess. Well, that's, I think that's my thing. There is like I, I don't hate the little the little Leia part of this. I think it's fine. I just think that it almost feels kind of like well, we had major success with you know Mando and and Grogu. And not to say, you know, John Favreau has done amazing. I mean, bringing, you know, all this together from Marvel, DC, you know, sorry, Marvel, DC, from Marvel to Star Wars now. He's done an amazing job. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's really what it is, but it does feel a little bit like that was their recipe, at least for The Mandalorian, and, and somewhat feels like it's going into Kenobi's, you know, show. So, I don't know, hopefully that doesn't pan out that way um but yeah i mean it's still enjoyable i'm looking forward i didn't realize the third one was out so i have to go watch it with joanna maybe after uh, the finals tonight we'll see i'm excited to see what you say about it all right anything else um i like stranger things stranger things is really good the latest season that's how i spent my entire saturday just binge laying there watching stranger things yeah it's a really good season i'll get into it at some point um Currently right now, as I just mentioned, uh, game one uh, tonight. So if you're listening tomorrow or today, Friday, whatever, however the multiverse goes here, um, we got a Celtics versus the Warriors. I've already stated before that I'm a huge Celtics fan, um, but my low-key next favorite team would be the Warriors. Uh, I love the way they've put their teams together. I love both teams, how they've put themselves together. No superstar that they had to recruit and then recruit a whole bunch of other people. So... uh, Looking forward to a great game one. The real thing I want to talk about, though, man, Top Gun Maverick was so good. So good. And uh, as you stated before, you have not seen the original. Uh, To be fair, I did not see the original until about a month ago because 
this was coming out. So, um, just a little ba- bit of background information on why I was trying to convince you to go see it uh, in the movie theater rather than waiting for it to come out. Um, I knew Tom Cruise. He does a lot of his stunts on his, you know, like he does the stunts for a lot of his shows or movies or whatever. I didn't realize to what extent, though, when every time I heard that, I thought it was just like a, a little a little flip here and a little flip there. I didn't realize this dude was like actually scaling the Burj Khalifa, flying a helicopter and fallout. And now in Top Gun, like literally flying the jets and which is why like i think a big part of it was why it was delayed and all this stuff um well you you like he would have to fly a different plane because it's illegal for a civilian to actually fly. like because i know they because they, they got access mm-hmm. to fighter jets however they have to be flown by united states military so i forget how they did because i was hearing people talk about this mm-hmm. it's like because like because they literally got but like like tom cruise literally flies planes for their filming However, they like they like get like footage of him flying something, so they get that real, real like like he's really flying, like him. And yeah. then they add in like like footage of like the military doing something, and then they like superimpose it over each other, or something like that. So I, probably depending on on the on how low some of the flights were, um, I'm sure military or whoever was flying that, but it doesn't really matter because just him and the rest of the crew, by the way, like the other actors also had to fly jets as well. Um, and you can just see the raw G force on their face as they're flying. Like it's insane. It's super insane. And so um, I was really hyped and I'm glad Jason told me beforehand that that was the deal. Cause it gave me like a much more, like a bigger appreciation for the movie and just like the whole thing and what it entailed. So if you haven't seen it yet, uh, I highly suggest you go seeing, or you go see the movie, which, um, brings me actually to a a mini thing that we're going to do for the summer here i i kind of semi told micah this but uh we're going to have the top blockbusters of summer 2022 so this will go all the way until august um we'll just start kind of every week if we see a new movie especially if it's a blockbuster we'll kind of rate it um and put it on our ranking system so the only two movies that i have currently on here are top gun maverick at number one and dr strange multiverse of madness at number two um Obviously, if you get a chance to see Maverick, I'm even just pay for your ticket just so you'll go see it. So we can, <laughs> we can have this on the podcast Sunday but, afternoon or something like that. Yeah. But uh, so that's what I have for the rankings right now. Uh, upcoming, we have uh, Jurassic Park Dominion, right? Um, that's on the 10th. And then on the 8th of July, uh, Thor. Thor. So we'll be sure to give our opinions on that and, and add them to our, our ranking scale. But um, yeah, I think that's it for phase one. All right, uh, I have a tie for first and last. Uh, tie for first is uh, Doctor Strange, and uh, Doctor Strange also. It's for last. It's Doctor Strange and uh, Multiverse of Madness. I think I think once you see Maverick, it'll be it'll be it pretty handily. Honestly, I still gotta see the first one. Um, but yeah, let everyone tell me I need to see those. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for the phase in. Uh, let's move on to the untapped step. We're talking about matches that we played over the past week. I'm gonna be honest with you, sir. I got literally nothing. Uh, I jammed a bit of Explorer here and there. Um, I tried like uh, Mono Red, and I'm like, man, this feels. I almost felt nostalgic mm-hmm. jamming like Mono Red Explorer. It's like, oh, this is like, oh, Embercleave, Torbrand, yay, Eldrain, Mono Red, let's go. Um, oh, I need to look at what was that Cavalcade? What was that card that was good for a while? 
There's like one oh, tower oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From uh, the Ravnica Allegiance. One drops like a, when when X or one X's attack, you deal one damage. Yeah. Maybe you can bust out and see if that'll work. Um either way. So I've been jamming some of that. I've been playing a lot of like Omnath mm-hmm. uh for, like dailies and stuff. I've experimented some, but like I tried doing like my own brew of angels, just like straight up Orzal. Like I did from like that, that standard 2022 queue from a while back. Sure. And that didn't that doesn't go so well. Um so I was like I'm I'm really enjoying Explore. I feel like there's a, there's like so much more room to explore. Like there's a, there's obviously like some really good decks, especially since they banned Winota. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I've been I've actually dabbled into it too. Uh, I've been playing basically Rakdos mid range, trying to just make Omnixilis work, which um, it has. I mean, I definitely love Omnixilis and the design of it. Um, I, I think it's funny because they're they're kind of forcing it, not forcing it upon us, but I don't know if you saw the update for today was the new drop for uh, the historic alchemy or whatever. And so they have a free event where I think it gives you like a thousand XP or something and it's free to enter and each win gives you something or whatever. And it's uh, their pre-constructed decks using the new cards. New cards from alchemy are really awesome the problem again is that it's way too expensive and, and for you it's they're not real cards but for me it's even just highly expensive to get into that format so i think i think alchemy is almost dead now like it should be pretty close to dead is that like um like edward elric and his his a uh, giant metal brother and um i'm making full metal alchemist jokes gotcha um yeah i i i just couldn't care a lot they a thousand experience maybe if it was a thousand gems i'd um put on a blindfold and click until i hopefully i got him or something but um experience i'll pass i mean just to uh-huh. like literally you just hit the button just to quote unquote enter and i have i have morals sir uh i have um i need to, so my niece and nephews can look at their uncle and be like he stood by his convictions we respect ish Mm-hmm. him so it's like i'm i'm gonna st- stick to my explore until gosh dominaria limited drops later gotcha now i bet you i wonder if they're gonna do something for explorer oh yeah i mean well, no, no no they're gonna do the they're, the because the, they, they announced that they're gonna do the that the limited thing is it the commander legends thing what are the what's the thing that they're gonna be putting on spike Commander legends Maria? Yeah, it's the Commander Legend stuff, but it's like its own like curate. But no, but no, that's gonna be Alchemy too, though, right? Right. Oh, then never mind. Then I'm waiting till Dom- I'm saving up my gold till like we get the Dominaria. Jamming, jamming, explore. Let's go explore the Mythic. Um, have you done anything else? Yeah, as for me, um, let's see. So starting the 26th, which was what day was that? Not like a week ago, something like that. So I guess after we recorded, actually, uh, I did one, two, three, four, I've done five drafts with uh, two trophies, and I today I went six and three with the deck, the Naya deck that I sent you, um, where I ended up picking Libation, which is hilarious that I never saw Libation, and I'm really actually like in in all the game, like the basically all the games that I lost, I was like, if I have Libation here, I win, but I didn't see it. So <laughs> I don't know if Darling would have 
would have been better or worse it's like it sucks like i couldn't even tell how good i mean i know libation would have won the games it doesn't matter so yeah it was a pretty good deck um i um i'm like of the opinion i actually still like this format uh i know a lot of people are really down on it now but honestly it's been fine like i still have fun like cracking open packs and putting different decks together some of them look very similar but i've kind of gotten gutsy now where um i'll kind of switch it up and and do something different like that that nutty freaking obscure list that i sent y'all was was pretty insane um i mean it had three inspiring overseers so whatever ggs there but uh i've also dabbled into explorer um been playing even standard uh i've seen some of the guys from goldfish they've posted they posted this really cool naya reanimator deck and i put that together really freaking fun i don't have you seen it i have not i'm looking that up now so the basis of the deck is uh it's basically red white splashing green i don't even really know what the green splashes for because the only green cards i can remember that are in there are uh titan of industries and so you basically like your first couple of turns you really do nothing but turn three if you're if you have um invoke mana, justice huh i was like so i was wondering what is your reanimation spell it's like invoke justice right right <laughs> so you use so you use um spoils or you use the second part of the saga on kiki jiki to discard your uh the red white dragon i'm forgetting velomachus yes velomachus or titan of industry and then uh usually you like because you make a treasure off of both of those and so you can go turn four play invoke justice bring back the the dragon and the dragon can like windmill slam another like big score or spoils or it can hit the um, uh modal land from znr where you make two flying angels and you get indestructible until your next turn so your opponent can't board wipe and kill it's it's really sick like the deck is only lost to like extremely aggressive decks and even then sometimes you just pull out the win so it's a it's a pretty fun deck actually so yeah um i think standard's in a really amazing place right now and it's just a shame that i can't really convince certain people at the store to get behind that because uh, it's great like i really want to pay play paper standard right now um and arena is fine but it just doesn't it's not the same thing so i just saw what the wandering emperor is at right now that's incredible oh yeah there's uh, a copy of that in there so Woo-hoo. yeah it's like a thir- it's like a 30 dollar card <laughs> yep yep i'm better be taking better care of my copy then all right i'll do it for this week's untapped step let's go on to the a segment that we quasi forgot last week and then remembered at the end that is our underplayed edh card of the week uh up this week is costa and he uh got the marketing scheme going for his card last week he hyped it up said it's a really juicy interesting card to be uh underplayed in edh i think you said something like that you're like oh that's a really good one i don't know i'm i'm just trying to embellish a bit i know but, I, I think this was the card too i can't remember or not but yes my card this week is soren markov um so if you don't know it's three black 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 so it's uh six mana total uh i forgot the starting loyalty and i had it up here earlier da, 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 da. Uh, in the meantime um found it okay so, cool <laughs> uh, four loyalty planeswalker plus two storm markov deals two damage to target creature or player and you gain two life the big thing that was really relevant here was actually the minus three target opponent's life total becomes 10 and commander that's 
pretty amazing actually because uh you feel really comfortable at 40 but i would think about it this way even if your opponent's like at 20 that's still like 10 damage it deals to an opponent's pretty sick and the last part if you can if you can ultimate it's minus seven you control target players uh next turn um only two percent in all decks that that it can be run in um and i think it's very underplayed it's kind of one of those cards where um you know commanders kind of switch to big combo finishes but a lot of people complain like i'd rather have like more mid-rangey kind of games and whatnot well swarm markov is great for that because yes you can essentially set it up to kill one player but you don't kill the table and um, you can keep this going um you know you can if you can keep it alive and keep chaining uh you know stealing your opponent's turns even though it's going to be a long time to keep resetting that up it's a pretty fun card so that is my underplayed edh card for this week good that like um i mean if i owned a copy it would be a shoe in my um yog daddy deck um is it been, is the plus two been errated to any target? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm sure it's just to any target now. That has, yeah. I mean, it hasn't had a reprint. I, I did that back. It had a reprint in um, Mystery Boosters, but it's the same copy. But yeah, I think it's just to any target. You think possible double masters reprint? Um, I don't think so because I think the price on this card is actually only hovering like around ten dollars. Um, yep. So. Is it really? yep <laughs> so uh, i wouldn't imagine so well okay then soren markov your underplayed edh card of the week put him in your edh decks and win your games uh, all right let's go on to this week's main topic which is commander legends 2 electric boogaloo battle for Baldur's gate um this is gonna be more of a primerish thing it's like we're not doing the full unlimited primer game for this uh, because I feel like that would be kind of awful. But so what we did is Costa and I did prepare lists like in a similar way. Top four commons, top two uncommons in each color. We're going to go into that. But we're also going to be offering based on like how we experienced Commander Legends one uh, almost two years ago now. Wait, that was that. Yeah, that was in the t- 2020, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's been yep. two years. And so um, we're going to use that information that we have from playing that format, try and extrapolate it into this and what we see of these cards and um, try and use that to help you as you go to your Commander Legends Battle for Bubbles Gate pre-release this weekend and jamming more games moving forward. Um, So, but this is going to be, there's no competition going. We're just going to share our lists and our thoughts as we go. And um, I, like I feel like we have a few distinct differences in the way we were assessing this, and that will actually probably be very helpful. Um, so, and if and if you don't mind, you know, you're you are a defending champion. Actually, you should should start because you paid tree off. <laughs> okay, well then. Uh, so, going into this, I didn't really have a a set way of. Um, I really didn't use. Okay, how do I start this off? I didn't use a ton of prior knowledge from our original Commander Legends experience into this. However, I think it is actually kind of geared towards that. So going into my list, uh, I have Minimus Containment, Scouting Hawk, Blessed Hippogriff, Great Sword of Tear. So um, I'll start off with 
Minimus Containment. So two and a white for Enchantment Aura. This is a reprint from AFR. Enchant non-land permanent. And then the Enchanted Permanent is a treasure, uh, is a treasure artifact that you basically sacrifice as a treasure. Um, card is basically a catch-all. Um, and so if we think back to our original Commander Legends uh, format, uh, there are plenty of enchantments and artifacts uh, that you're going to run into, even at the rare, even though there are going to be at the rare mythic slot, you're playing against four players. So the chances of you seeing something very powerful is very high. This also deals with uh, planeswalkers very cleanly as well. Um, they do get to use it and ramp it and color fix or whatever with this card, but essentially it just, it catches anything. Um, and I think we talked about this. Uh, I can't remember if we agreed on this or not, but I am under the opinion that you don't need a ton of removal, but you do need you, when you want to finish the game, you need an answer. And so this is, like I agree the answer to it. Um, number two scouting hawk uh so that is a uh two and a white for a one one burr with flying uh keen sight when scouting a hawk enters the battlefield if an opponent controls more lands than you search your library for a basic planes card put it in the battlefield tap then uh shuffle so it's a one one that uh conditionally ramps you uh white typically doesn't have ramp and so this is a great way to ramp it's also a flyer and uh if you're suiting cards up which uh the greater sword i'll talk about in just a second uh is a great way to just like keep putting the pressure on your opponent and those little chips of damage uh in your commander games are very very important because um as long as everyone's attacking you can keep the game moving and at some point someone's going to break away with a really powerful creature um essentially so number three blessed hippogriff uh that's three and a white for a two three uh, it also has a venture, so Tyre's Blessing for one mana at instant speed. Target creature gains indestructible until a turn. Um, and then the body itself is a 2-3 flyer. Uh, when it attacks, target attacking creature without flying gains flying. Um, so it's a protection spell with another threat, and then it makes another creature essentially uh, an evasive threat. Again, just... Uh, as these games seem to develop, uh, you're going to need to keep putting the pressure. And so any kind of evasion is really great. I will say there's kind of a caveat here with the indestructibility. Um, there are a good amount of, of exile abilities in white, uh, just not in any other color. And so we'll see how that ends up playing out when we get to play Friday. But um, I imagine that giving a creature indestructible uh, is still going to be quite useful in this format. And then number four, uh, Great Sword of Tyre. Uh, so one and a white for an artifact equipment. Equip costs of one white mana. Uh, whenever a creature attacks, put a 1-1 one, one counter on it and tap one target creature defending player controls. So, um, which is funny, in this set, uh, we have uh, our favorite, our first favorite equipment, it seems like, uh, Thieves Tools. This is a pseudo Thieves Tools type of card, but it's a little bit better, I think, especially for this format. Um puts a plus one plus one counter on the creature so it's going to make it a bigger threat um and taps another creature down that they control so essentially if you're attacking you're probably going to get your damage through seems really really solid um again the equip cost is really cheap and turning anything into a threat is pretty nice so that's my top four all right i have a bit of a different stance because like first thing i was like all right Yes, it's kind of commander, but then as a fight, there, there's its own distinct differences in terms of its like limited version of commander. And that I don't feel like ramping is as super important because obviously you're going to ramp in commander because then you're going to get to do your bested stuff mm. much more quickly. Whereas here, they're, you're very limited in the way you can do that busted stuff. And so it's like, 
I've heard someone describe limited as basically just different varying piles of mid range, as opposed to like these really strong synergistic focused deck strategies. So the way I approach after playing through Commander Legends one is how do I stay alive? Because the most important thing isn't necessarily like when you're looking at your deck, right? Right? What's my deck strategy? How does it win? I was like, how's my deck keep me alive to the point where I'm one of the last two players alive? And then hopefully I'm in the best position I can be in to hopefully just get into that one on one situation and then win the game from there. So that's how I've kind of oriented the way I think about this when I looked at these cards. Oh, I'm running out of breath. Um, but um, so it's like, all right, how do cards that can help me like develop my board to where people don't want to attack me? And then also, um, so then they have to attack someone else. And then, so then also, maybe I can get some chip damage there. Maybe if it gets down to three, I can have a card that really helps me just like finish off the other player that I'm in a one on one situation. I'm just, I'm just trying to get to that one on one situation because if you were trying to win these games, I think getting there is the first thing you have to win and you have to do that first before you worry about the other thing and it's because i don't think there's going to be a situation where you're just like, all right if i untap i'm going to kill all three of you and now i'm going to win that just doesn't really happen i don't think so my focus is first getting to that one-on-one situation and for me it's kind of like turtling so for like white i hope my list actually worries about that because i'm not entirely sure it does but so oh, it kind of does so my first card is actually a card that you didn't talk about and i'm really glad we kind of did this because i feel like we're this uh difference in the way we're seeing it is going to be very helpful as everyone forms their own opinions but my number one card was actually pegasus guardian so actually when you want to stay alive you think six drops obviously but it's an adventure six drop and so um it's a on its own it's a six mana three three flyer and says at the beginning of your end step of a permanent you control left the battlefield and you make a one one pegasus with flying uh there's a lot of white blue and black blink shenanigans not blink black that actually blinks there's a blue and white blink and then black also kind of feeds into it some of these whenever permanently because there's also like sacrifice so uh this also triggers on sacrifice by the way so there's a it's kind of interesting to make one one blockers also things that can peck in and probably finish off an opponent also it has an adventure mechanic which who doesn't love adventure i'm really getting kind of gassed here costa this is i can't keep talking like this that has rescued the foul foal foal one in a white for an instant it blinks something. Uh, yeah, it's immediate, so it's not an instep. So it, it multiple kind of feeds with themselves. But it's also kind of a protection situation. Also, if you have any strong ETBs, that works better. But I'm only thinking about this as this, I'm going to play this on six, and then I'll be able to de- um, develop a board that will dissuade people from wanting to attack me while also being able to go over the top because flying is broken. And I can see it kind of be like, you You really uh, emphasize to me the importance of having kind of engine pieces kind of more so with your commander whenever you're drafting this but also just having those kind of engine pieces will really help you in these limited environments and so that's why i like pegasus guardian also adventures are just broken and speaking of adventures my next one is guardian naga which is a seven mana naga five six with vigilance as long as it's your turn to prevent all damage that we dealt to it so we can attack with impunity and also staying up to block it's seven mana so it's kind of late but um it's a thing that when you it's a, it's gonna be a slow format you drop it down things are on the ground where they want to attack you and then you can also get in there and either you're abyssing your an opponent's creatures or you're getting in for damage it also has an adventure where it's a three mana disenchant uh incidental value you really gives makes it sort of it's not dead seven drop in your hand which is the issue with seven drops that they're just dead cards 
this will not be a dead card because it has this uh, effect you want to put in your decks, but you don't necessarily want to have a dedicated that style card. Like you talk about Minutemen Containment, that answers like everything. This has that kind of similar value where these like smaller things that you want to include answers to, but you don't really want to include just single cards that just answer those. This is another way to get there. Next up, great sort of tier. Uh, everything you said about it. It seems like it's just a solid way to value uh, to get value on all your smaller creatures that might be outclassed later. Pegasus tokens, etc. Uh, it's very cheap equip cost, very cheap to get down. And so, it, and also, I feel like the tapping a thing will also be very relevant whenever it attacks. I did also forget to say that uh, this actually stacks really well, too. So, if you have multiple of these, tap two creatures and put two plus one plus one counters on creatures, actually not really bad at all. So, that was something else that uh, I wanted to say. That's a very astute point. Don't forget, you can have multiples of these in these limited commands, not singleton. And then last card on my list is a card that really emphasizes the whole uh, attack someone else, and that's Martial Impetus. And that's two and a white for an aura. Enchanted creature. Enchanted creature is plus one, plus one, and is goaded, which means if able, it has to attack, but it has to attack someone other than you if there's another target. So another one of your two opponents. And whenever enchanted creature attacks, each other creature attacking one of your opponents gets plus one, plus one. So it even further emphasizes you to not just attack someone else with this one but with all their other stuff as well so that's like and it becomes a must like makes the other two players really want to kill this which coming i don't know who knows if they have an answer but it's just it further emphasizes that strategy i think of getting to that one-on-one attacking other people and protecting yourself and so and i really that's kind of i have similar thoughts like i i'd scoop up minimus containments and stuff like that I entirely agree with you on that point. I was just kind of thinking, I don't want to have as much removal, but you still want to have some. But yeah, that's kind of where my mind was going whenever I was assessing these cards in this format. Yeah, and I mean, I have it at number one, but it's not like I'm going to pick up 15 copies, but I do, like, I think the most importance of containment is just like, I have a copy to deal with, you know, a plethora of stuff. It may be that you do end up, end up want multiple of these. Um, yeah, I, I Guardian Naga was kind of in the same breath where uh, I actually felt like it was really good early and late. I think my, I guess my one thing is how many artifacts enchantments are going to play on this format, and like seven mana is still kind of high for me. But uh, the vigilance is actually quite relevant on this card, so the card may jump up in my list for sure. Um, so I'm gonna do a little different this time. We're actually gonna go straight into the uncommons next. We're just gonna fill okay. out the colors just to c- kind of keep theme um, because there might be some things that we end up uh, talking about within the same color. Um, so starting with uh, my number one, um, I am looking at your list. So at my number one, I have uh, Ellen Harbury's Busybody. Um, and then I have Hammer of Morden. So Ellen Busybody is a three and a white for a two, four legendary creature, human peasants at uncommon, uh, tap it, look at the top X cards of your library where X is the number of tokens you created this turn, put one of those cards into your hand and the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order. Um, the reason why I have this pretty high is, um, this is actually, both a great commander that you can you know partner with a background um or just great in in your 
59, right? Is it 59? That's 60. Uh, yeah. Like that. And so um, I found this car to be, again, an engine card. Um, either way you look at it. So Micah alluded that last time or, or when I think of Commander, especially in uh, a limited format, you really want an engine. And so this card is a, is a pretty good L, uh, engine. It's not a self-sustaining engine, but there are plenty of backgrounds that pair with this that, that can make it such. And so um, anything that basically says draw a card is great. And then this is like look at a few cards depending on how many tokens you make and then draw a card. Seems pretty solid for me. I don't think it's going to be overpowered, but I just think it's a card that uh, you're going to want engine wise. Um, it is very narrow. I do. I must admit, um, I did make this kind of on the fly, but I still think there's enough uh, token generation in here that this card should be pretty relevant. Uh, and then number two, the Hammer of Morden. Uh, so two and a white for a 3-3 Dwarf Cleric with Myriad. Uh, this is a uh, reprint mechanic. So whenever this creature attacks or uh, for each opponent other than the defending player, you may create a token copy that's a creature tapped and attacking that player. Uh, basically, yeah, you make a copy for each other player you're attacking. So it's Encore, essentially. Um, and then whenever Hammer of Morden attacks for each opponent, tap up to one target creature that player controls. So the thing that I also learned last time from um, our experiences with the, the limited format is you want to keep the pressure going. I mean, the goal is really to keep attacking. Um, and this is kind of nice because even though it does kind of put the spotlight on you, one, it's a very fair way for the most part. Like you're attacking one player, but you're attacking all players. Um, so most people don't get pretty, don't get angry about that. Also, um, if you soup this card up and, uh, you know, attack with it, it essentially gets in for free. Um, it is a three, three, which, uh, surprisingly I think is gonna be pretty relevant in this format. So there's just a lot of little things that I like about this card. I think again, power level wise, it's nothing to jump up and down about, but at the same time, it's a card that, um, just keeps the game moving and that's kind of where i'm at with these limited formats i'm not i'm not basically in the same breath as you are about trying to survive to be like the the second to last player or anything like that but um you do want to keep enough pressure off for yourself while also being the person that sometimes people suit up your creatures with the the what did you call it the um uh impetus cards um and so uh, i really like this card so those are my two well, alrighty. Uh, the first card I picked out of Uncommon is actually Beckoning Will-O-Wisp. It's two and a white for a 1-3 spirit with flying. It has Lure the Unwary. It says, at the beginning of combat on your turn, choose an opponent. Then it says, creatures attacking the last chosen player get plus 0 and plus 0. And uh, please correct me if I'm getting this wrong. Uh, that also doesn't just apply to you. It just says, creatures attacking. That's just a static effect. So also you're a uh, the other opponents, if they attack that player, they also get plus one, plus zero, oh, correct? Well, all right. So that's that, that just further feeds into my um, turtle. Um, make uh, your opponents want to attack each other and not you kind of strategy. I really get what you mean about you don't want to just be doing nothing. You want to be have, developing and putting pressure on them to a, a certain extent. But I also think just eventually it's like you don't want to be too big a threat. But that's just also like kind of like regular commander, unless you're just gonna win. Uh, but so I think there's a there's a lot of value in there's there's more than one way to skin this cat. Um, and so I like beckoning Willowisp for the kind of strategy that I have been um, promulgating throughout this podcast, or at least the last ten minutes. 
Uh, and then for number two, I have Crystal Dragon, which is four white white for a four four flying vi vigilance. So Sir Angel plus a mana, but also has an adventure thing because there's a cycle of uncommon dragons. They all have adventures and they're all like six mana yada yadas with flying and another keyword. But this one has Rob the Horde, which is one and a white for a sorcery. It says return target artifact, enchantment, or legendary card from your graveyard to your hand. So it's like a kind of conditional regrowth. But it's uh it's not the kind of cards like, oh I am I really gonna cast this on turn two or three or whatever, and then cast my crystal dragon on turn six. It's just a card that's like if you top deck this on turn eight or later in the game. You have it's not just another creature. It's basically a creature that also kind of gets you something back, some strong utility. Like say someone disenchanted your great sword because it was giving you too much value. You can get that back. You can put the crystal dragon down. It also wields that great sword really well, ironically. And I just realized in the picture this thing's like cradling an egg or something. It looks very interesting. Yeah, it looks like an egg. Actually, this would have made it to my list had I read the card all the way. I thought it was just return, like, bounce, not from graveyard. So, yeah, the card's actually really good. Uh, I also want to shout, because there's a card I really wanted to pick, and now that I think about it more, I might want to put it over, like, the other two, actually. Mm -hmm. And that's Gitzerai Monk, which is four and a white for a 3-2 Gith Monk. has flash and flying for some reason. But also has a uh, psychic defense. Whenever in ETBs tap all creatures you don't control. Hmm, that is pretty nice too. Yeah. So it's like it, it's a very strong defensive card. Like if there's someone who's about to like you, you know they're about to kill you. Flash this in because um, it's it's both. Uh, it's not like oh I have to leave up five mana and if I don't do what I think they're gonna do then I'm kind of hosed. It's like it can be a very offensive card too. Like flash this in on the end set before your turn. Tap all your creatures. Now you have free attacks. If you have blink spells, then this card can hit pretty funny. Um, just like, all right, just keep tapping all your opponent's creatures. Yeah, that's uh, really good too. I didn't. I, I see both of us kind of sp sped red mm -hmm. some of our stuff. Yeah, I'd actually put this at number one too. Yeah, yeah, I could see this being number one. Just as a uh, a shout out, Mother of Runes, as you just saw, mm -hmm. is in the set. Uh, for those that haven't played with Mother of Runes, which I'm sure most of y'all have, because it's Commander, it's a Commander Legend, whatever. Uh, yeah, really, it's at uncommon and it's really good. Uh, I think the big reason why it wasn't on the list is because one of those cards where, uh, yes, it's extremely powerful, but you'll find just like Commander Legends one that this is probably a lot has a lot to do with building your board and it just protects your best thing. It doesn't build your board, which can be really good, but might not be the name of the game here. So time will tell. But anyways, I I think it's more of a one v one kind of powerhouse as opposed to the context that we'll be playing it in this format. Yeah. But mom is just a sweet card. And who knows at uncommon, you might be able to scoop them up and they might be worth a couple bucks later on. I mean, depending it, on where they go. Mom. I mean, they've reprinted yeah. it so much now though. So it's, but still it's a great card regardless. But I do, I agree that like one v one, it's probably at its highest point. So, all right. Well, I guess we'll move on to the blue cards for some reason. Uh, Skyfall doesn't want to upload, so I'll have to. It'll take me a little bit longer to read these cards, but anyways, starting with blue at the commons. Um, I have Young Blue Dragon, Sword Coast, uh, Serpent, Runaway Together, and Psychic Impetus. Uh, so let me jet up here. So the Blue Dragon. I can read the card for you if you want. Yeah, if you want to mine. All right, Young Blue Dragon is four and a blue for a three-three dragon with flying. 
but it also goes on an adventure. It says Sand Augury, one in a blue for a sorcery, scry one, then draw a card. So it's opt plus a dragon. So it's like double card advantage because it's two cards on its own, but plus it draws you a card. So it's like basically like three cards in one. Yeah. That's kind of my 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 line of thought here. It's a two drop and a five drop. The five drop part isn't as relevant, but it's still a three three flyer at five mana. That's nothing terrible. But I think the big draw for me here is the fact that it smooths out your draw for the next turn. It is at sorcery speed, but um, early on, um, that's fine. Again, it's nothing where your opponents are like, oh my god, you're doing something crazy. And late in the game when you have a ton of mana, um, you know, digging to your answer is also really great. Um, so really like young blue dragon. And then my number two was the sword coast serpent. So five blue, blue for a six, six serpent dragon, uh, sword coast serpent can't be blocked as long as you've cast another non-creature spell this turn. Uh, it is also, it does have an adventure, uh, capsizing wave for one in the blue at instant speed, return target creature to its owner's hand. Um, again, another multifaceted card where, um, it, bounces something so it's pseudo removal um and because it is a six six that can be unblockable this presents a pretty big threat to your opponent um bouncing and and commander is actually pretty pretty good it's a lot better than uh, i thought i think it's not as good as like, like regular commander but definitely in the limited environment it's really nice uh run away together when in a blue for an instant you basically choose uh two different creatures from two different opponents and return them to uh their owner's hands uh that was actually really good in the first commander legend set and it, i think it'll still be great here for a lot of the reasons that you said earlier about bouncing or flickering things it isn't a flicker but you can bounce one of your own creatures to save it while bouncing like another opponent's creature that's you know maybe costs a lot and uh you know they'll just have to spend a turn to recast it um so then it being a really good card and i imagine it'll be the same here and then the last card is the psychic impetus i believe it's two and a blue for an enchantment aura um it gives, that is correct gives a creature what like plus two plus two and goads it um the cool, really cool thing about this one uh that i, I liked was uh when it attacks you get to scry to um so it's not pumping your opponent's board and it's kind of actually in the mindset where i think or, or what you're thinking of where it doesn't paint like a big target on your head and your opponent is probably willing to give you a scry too not all the time but it's nothing like um the other ones where it gives you a treasure um as you'll see i don't know if they're in your list or not but um other my other impetuses get can give you a big advantage and then it kind of paints up that target on your head this is like right in the middle where it's like it's a nice little buff at plus two plus two and you scrying to means you'll find your stuff uh but your opponent might be willing to give you that more often than not so those are my four. Oh, righty all right so my first one is sword coast serpent you talked about it uh one reason why it's like you don't want to just run hardcore unsummon like EDH is like it's card negative, especially in a multiplayer game. However, this is one in like in a limited environment, and so it's not as bad, but also it's stapled to a 6 6 green creature you want to be casting later in the game. I feel like it has that kind of value you want to see. And uh, staying alive, one thing that was really probably the best thing at keeping you alive is just having big creatures on your side of the board. People don't want to attack the person as big creatures because then creatures die and then the big creatures swing back at them. And yeah, and plus this one can be pretty unblockable uh later in the game fairly easily i feel like it's just a pretty strong value 
that's like the early part of the card is something you'll probably really want. And then uh, when you get to that seven mana, you have a very impactful spell, I think. At number two, I put Sea Hag. Uh, <laughs> four and a blue for a three five Hag. When it ETBs, creatures your opponent's control get minus four, minus O. And then it also has the adventure of Aquatic Ingress. Two and a blue for an instant. Up to two target creatures each get plus one, plus O until end of turn and can't be blocked. So it's like, it's kind of weird to me when you look at, like, I feel like these like opposing things. Like the adventure thing is kind of aggressive. Like it can't be blocked, pumps power. And then on the other side, it's a three, five that just nerfs all your opponent's creatures pretty, pretty significantly. And so it's like, those are kind of opposing things. Um, I kind of like Sea Hag. If you have like Blink Shenanigans, it's like a much worse version of the white card uncommon we talked about a second ago. Um, because it's like, oh, no, they can't really attack me. But it's like, all right, now you're just annoying them, though. And you're not really progressing anything. It's kind of like fogging. But either way, it's a 3-5. It's just kind of a, so it blocks well. And then also, if you need to, if you have Blink Shenanigans, it's pretty cool. I don't really know about the... I just like the CI because I think it'll help keep you alive. And then, but also it has this other mode that, man, you'd really rather cast a three, five first and then cast the adventure mode. Cause like here, I'm going to get incidental value in and then annoy my opponent and then I'm cast this and annoy them even more. So it's kind of weird to me and I'm kind of talking myself out of this one, but I feel like there's enough value there that it might be a pretty solid blue card. You might want to play. Next up, I have Nimble Claw Adept. Um, to be honest, I don't remember exactly what this card does. Oh, there it is. It's a three and a blue for a two, three dragon wizard. It taps to untap two target permanents. You can only do that as a sorcery and only once each turn. So it can be a four mana mana dork that adds two. Uh, so it's like a decent source of ramp. I'm not further emphasizing ramping, but I feel like there's shenanigans. Like you can tap, like if you want to get in your big creatures, but then you're worried about the crack back. Get in for the big creatures, second main, tap this, untap your big creatures. Or this is the fact that it untaps two permanents. Uh, I think there's going to be some value there. And beyond just it being a mana dork, but also give your creatures pseudo vigilance. Untap one creature and a land to hold up a spell. So I think there's going to be some value here in Nimble Claw Adept. Plus, it's a 2 3, so it blocks smaller stuff reasonably. And then last up, I have Pseudo Dragon Familiar. This one might not be might be a bit too mana intensive, but we'll see. It's two and a blue for a two-one dragon with flying. It has the activated ability two and a blue target creature gains flying until end of turn. So you know if you have trade routes in play, then uh yeah, wait, no, that's not the card I'm thinking of. What's the card I'm thinking of that Ah, this is this that joke's not gonna go anywhere. Uh but yeah, so um just gives all your creatures uh, evasion. So like you have like nine mana. It's like, all right, give three creatures flying and then kill you. That could be a solid... Uh, it's a, it's like an early... It's a turn three play that still has utility later in the game. This is the way I'm kind of thinking about it. And so uh, I was kind of... I'm not super high on a lot of the commons. But then I'm also probably thinking of a more straight up because it's been a while since we've actually played Commander Legends. So there's like individual card evaluation as opposed to like overall strategy. Uh, so I might be a little mixed up there. Um, but I really like Runaway Together. I don't know how I missed that. I really like that call too. Because it also triggers all your permanent left the battlefield stuff as well. 
Uh, you're muted there, sir. The yeah, the sea hag. Um, I, it was like on my list, and the only reason why it came down was for the same conclusion you came to, where it's like, I think I wanted the roles reversed, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. I wanted a finisher for the unblockables, but I wanted to have the three five out on the floor. So it's like you're gonna kind of have to choose what you're doing with it, mm-hmm. which was kind of really interesting to me. But uh, I still think that was another a good call. There's another card that I'll talk about here in a second. Uh, I'll move on to the uncommons, and then um, there's an honorable mention there that ties with a common there, but. Anyways, at number one, uh, I have uh, Fey Wild Caretaker, uh, four and a blue for a three-four orc wizard. When Fey Care ta- well, Wild Caretaker enters the battlefield, you take the initiative at the beginning of your end step. If you have the initiative, create a one-one blue fairy dragon creature token. Seems really good. Um, uh, three-four body uh, is just fine, but uh, pooping out little tokens. Uh, a big thing that kind of goes like strictly against to what uh, you're kind of talking about, but about uh, not painting a, a bullseye on your head is that this does, I mean, initiative is like pseudo monarch here. And so uh, you're going to be attacked um, and you're making one, one flyers. So you're going to be attacked. But I think the, the engine part of this like outweighs in my opinion, um, like outweighs some of the heat that you'll take from it. Um, and then number two, I have uh, Sapphire Dragon. Uh, brr, five blue blue, so seven mana total for a five six dragon with flying. Uh, when it attacks or blocks, scry two. But then it also has an adventure, so for two and a blue at instant speed, psionic pulse, counter target non creature spell. Really like this card, uh, like at both ends. Early on, countering non uh, non creature spells is really good. Um, you're not gonna there's i don't imagine people will be running too many counter spells it didn't really play out that way in the first commander legends and i don't expect it here however it's on a body which is really nice uh, makes it really powerful in my opinion um and having that five six flyer to basically close out a game uh is like key here um it might paint a big target on your head but i I think it's going to be really powerful and hard to deal with so those are my two at seven mana, you better be paying a t- target on your head. Yeah, yeah. All right. So mine, uh, based on everything I've said about kind of how I view the strategy going in here, um, I want to see if Kosa can guess what's or you, you've seen my list, so it's not really. Um... Actually, I actually haven't. I, I mean, I saw a brief part, but I'm not looking at it right now. All right. Do you know what I had at number one? <laughs> based uh, on that, you can uh, make an informed uh, deduction based on everything I've said so far. Since I don't know I the like cards you... very well, um, the only one it's that I can cartoon. oh, it's a uh, it's propaganda, isn't it? Yep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> propaganda. Like... Two and a blue for an enchantment. Creatures can't attack you unless their controller pays two for each creature. Um, this is the most turtley card that's ever turtled before, or one of the two. Ghostly Prison, functional color shifted version of it in white. Uh, or Ghostly Prison came first, right? Uh, I don't remember actually, but probably. Uh, but no, yeah, actually, so like, again, it's pretty old, I think. Well, either way, uh, I feel like this card's like the mana. This is they just don't want to attack you because they have to pay mana and they don't want to spend their mana on having to attack you. So that's why I have propaganda up there. It's like, it's like, it's not like a card of like, oh, I saw my second and third propaganda. Let's go. It's like, it's not that, but um, it's just so it's obviously, I don't want to say it's like it's, it's other cards we talked about where it's like 
They both get them to not attack you while also developing your board to the point where you may be able to attack them. This does not attack. It's an enchantment. Unless Starfield of Nyx is in this set, and I don't see it. Um, so it's not like that, but it's just so good at the other thing. I'm just not I'm getting them to not attack you. I think it has enough merit. And next up is my pet card for the set. Can you guess that one? Uh, let's see if I go back here. I feel like you can figure it out. I believe if I you. read the only reason why is because propaganda was going to be on my list. And I was like, no, nah, that, that's, that's something this one. No, I'm going to say mystery key. I don't know. Sailor's Bane. Sailor's Bane. Seven blue, blue, oh, nine <laughs> mana for a seven, seven dragon turtle. I just love saying dragon turtle. It's so good. Dragon turtle. But this spell costs one less for each card and you own an each card you own in exile and in your graveyard that's an instant card, sorcery card, or a card that has an adventure. Um, I think on the whole, it'll probably be, this card will end up being um, no more than six mana by the time you get around to the turn six. Sure. Um, or especially later in the game, this will probably end up being four. I, I, I doubt it'll get to two, but I could it could get to two. Uh, but also as Ward 4, uh, I mentioned before, like nothing really dissuades people attacking you than seeing a big creature on the other side because the big creature will eat their creature and then um, the big creature swings back for more damage. Uh, and it's a 7-7 seven, seven with Ward 4. Ward 4 is really big. Uh, 4 mana is quite a bit. Pestering for sure. Uh, like Ward 1 is annoying. Ward 2 is very frustrating. Ward 4 is oh, a couple of french fries and a hamburger away from Hexproof. Um, so, uh, Sailor's Bane, it's like, if you, we talked about, it's like varying piles of mid range, but if you have like enough instant sources or adventure creatures, this card can be a very strong value in your deck. Yeah. It's just a vanilla creature, but it's like, this is kind of the nature of the beast and like what commander legends ends up being. Yeah. I mean, it be someone just sticks like a big creature and if it had any kind of protection like the the big thing we used to see was like the five mana like artifacts uh have protection from like cmc of artifacts you control that was like a big problem because it just like protected their five five that you couldn't deal with or whatever um the little combo i wanted to talk about um and the uncommon was alora uh mary thief so two and a blue for a three two halfling rogue whenever you attack up to one target attacking creature can't be blocked this turn and then you return that creature to uh its owner's hand the next end step um i think this card's going to be pretty good just on its own um and also as a commander um and it pairs really well with the basically the mana war of the set and the common slot um it is uh, winter well, eladrin yes two in a blue for a fairy elf wizard gust of wind when it etbs return up to one other target creature to its owner's hand so uh, again going back to like my little engine theory this is like a nice engine but it's also just like really great period because if it pairs with white as we saw there's a lot of cards that care about cre uh creatures leaving the battlefield um, and so giving your creature unblockable like i don't know like it kind of reminds me of like a yuriko in a really weird way yuriko wasn't uh unblockable but it just always got in and then always dealt damage so that's my little combo 
This is a good combo. I like it. Uh, should be mentioned that Curse of Verbosity is in the set too. Is it, that's like that's two and a blue, and it's a curse. And whenever curse players attack, you draw a card. Whoever attacks them, they get to draw a card. Hmm, so yeah, that's like that's like three mana kill a player. <laughs> <laughs> um, like that kind of does, but it's also like if you're, it's it feeds a lot of cards to your opponents as well. Yeah, that's why it's like double edged, but still, it's pretty good. I didn't even know that was actually a card. So, huh. that that I think will paint just as big of a target on you mm-hmm. as the as any other person. So, interesting. All right, well, moving on to uh, black. Sorry, uh, I'm a little slow today. Y'all have to excuse me. I can start us off. Yeah, hit us up. All right, number one, uh, black was one of the hardest ones I think for me to do. Uh, number one, I have. Hezru, Hezrau, uh, D&D fans, correct me if I'm wrong, but we got a five black, black, seven mana, man, I'm picking a lot of big mana spells. This is EDH after all. Six, six, frog demon. Let's go. Uh, whenever one or more creatures you control become blocked, each blocking creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. That's a very annoying effect, and it doesn't just trigger on itself, but every creature you have. Uh, it's incredibly relevant, but it also goes on an adventure and for adventure, it has demonic stench for a single black mana instant. Each creature that blocked this turn gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. So you can do that before the combat damage step. Because a lot of times people, when they block, the mindset goes like, all right, there's a two, two. I'm going to block with my two, three. It's like, they like, for the sake of like min maxing, they'll do that kind of thing where it's like, all right, this creature survives. It's just barely, but it will survive. I'm going to block that way. Um, so then they can just like min max and make sure they're uh, getting maximum value out of their blocks. And this card just goes, ha ha, boom. So it's like a very, uh, it's kind of the opposite of what I've been saying. Because uh, I feel like, but looking at the black cards, I feel like that's kind of the nature of like black. And then we'll get to red. Um, they're not very good at turtling. They really just want to kill people. Uh, but I feel like the, the, the demonic stench, actually, the more I thought about it, the more I, I kind of liked it as an effect. Uh, uh, the value you could get from it, and then the Hezru is just—it's very uh, impactful. It's like a six-six. So it has a strong body, but then also the effect of creatures that whenever they block, they get minus one, minus one. Uh, it's very—it um, makes it'll make your opponent have to block suboptimally. And if you have any other interaction after that, it can be kind of silly. So I have that number one. Uh, I feel like it's like. Very heads and shoulders, the strongest black common to me. I'm looking forward to seeing what, because I haven't actually seen your blacklist yet. Next up, I had Ghastly Death Tyrant, four black black for a 6-5 Beholder Skeleton. I'm pretty sure this is just the dead version of the that common Beholder thing we got in um, AFR. When it ETBs, you choose one, either Disintegration Ray, destroy an enchantment, and you lose life equal to its mana value. So it's um, Feed the Swarm on an ETB kind of effect. And then Aura has Death Ray. Creatures you control gain Death Touch until end of turn. Uh, I just kind of defaulted to these big creatures I feel like had impact on the board or did something um, with uh, some amount of utility. Uh, so I like big 6-5 bodies, like I've been saying, big creatures. But then also uh, being able to pick off a pesky enchantment, maybe a Curse of Verbosity that's killing you, or some goad thing that's going on that's very annoying for you. Your One of your opponents is getting value on it while your other opponent is tagging you. It's very annoying. This thing can pick that thing off. 
I think that more often than not, you're going to be doing the enchantment version over the death touch. If this was in a 1v1 format, it'd be the death touch version. But I feel like in uh, EDH, you'd be wanting to cast it for that enchantment uh, as a giant Rex Age, basically. Next up, I have Vicious Battle Rager. And uh, this is another situation where uh, I don't entirely remember what the card... Oh, yeah, there it is. Three and a black for a 1-5 Dwarf Barbarian. When it ETBs, you get the initiative. This is the first card I picked that has that line of text on it. Uh, to be honest, I didn't completely... I understood, like, you go in the Undercity, you venture the dungeon, but I didn't really know about the whole you venture on your upkeep if you have the initiative thing until Costa told me before we started recording. Uh, but it has Spiked Retribution. Whenever it becomes blocked by a creature, that creature's controller loses five life. So either they take the one or they lose five. But it's a one five that blocks extremely well. I feel like four mana is an interesting spot in the curve in this. Because it would be like doing some kind of... Maybe you're playing a Cultivate, Kodama's Reach, whatever, turn three. Oh, but then you're wrapping the five, so maybe not four. I don't know, but it's like... I feel like four mana is an interesting spot in the curve in this format. That uh, A one five that blocks a lot of stuff that's not like i think most stuff that has that could kill this in combat or six mana or more so it blocks like a whole five cmc worth of stuff that doesn't have flying broken mechanic but also has an interesting that if you have any other way of getting value from it attacking like if you put like the great sort of tier on it or something because they, they just wouldn't want to block it or is there anything in that gives value for connecting on attack yeah, there's a okay. couple of cards, but it's like the it's the artifacts. Like there's the goggles when you when it connects oh, to the scry, yeah. you can draw a card, and then there's another artifact that kind of does the same thing. So there are a few things for connecting. Yeah, so those have this thing does that kind of stuff very well because either pick that or they get domed for five. So I I really like this card as a blocker and as a kind of utility creature and attacking in a very unique way that we haven't really seen before. And last up. We have Mold Folk. Because when, when I saw that card name, for some reason, I was like, all right, it's a fun thing to say. I like my Mold Folk, please. One to black for a 1-1 one, one Fungus Warrior. Has lifelink and it has Mold Harvest. For a single white, uh, single anything mana, generic, sacrifice another creature or artifact, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. I mainly want this thing to hold a greatsword and uh, get one of counters of lifelink. Because you know what? Costa, you know what also keeps you alive? Life, I'm assuming. Yep, more of it. Uh, so yeah, uh, small lifelink creature that has ability to like feed itself. You can probably have possible shenanigans of just like feeding your board whenever they like block or whatever, and then you gain a bunch of life, like even a bunch of like tokens, like one one Pegasuses or kobolds or whatever other kind of tokens are in this format. Um, a, nice, a neat little mana sink, especially if some sort of token engine thing going on. Squirrels, possibly, saprolings, maybe. Uh, and yeah, so I was like, I like, it seems like a fairly, uh, a two drop that might have a lot more utility and it won't just get outclassed later in the game. So that's, those are my black cards upcoming. All right. So for my four, uh, the first one I have is Nefarious Imp, two in a block for a two one imp with flying. Whenever one or more permanents you control leaves the battlefield, scry one. Um, so at this point, when I started making the list, I started noticing that there's a lot of, you know, leave battlefield cares kind of things and other car, uh, other colors. And so uh, that pairs pretty well with black too, because your, your leave battlefield trigger is usually death and there's a lot of um, sack and whatnot. 
And so, and just being a two, one flyer, uh, scrying again, nothing super, um, threatening, but it is pretty high impact for you. And so I really like this card. Uh, the card that pairs really with, uh, really well with it at number two is deadly dispute. Uh, another AFR reprint at one in a black for an instant as an additional cost to cast a spell, sacrifice an artifact or a creature. You draw two cards and create a treasure. This seems so well, again, continuing that, that chain of, um, you know, ramp artifacts. I don't know if there's things that care about anything leaving the battlefield, but if it does, oh yeah, well, duh, the fairy sump. So there you go. It just keeps feeding that sucker, right? So uh, really great uh, pair with it. At number three, um, it's kind of funny, um, I'm, and I'm kind of surprised I didn't get called up by Mike on this, but uh, we had Priest of Thune or whatever, the 2-1 ETB. Forgotten Lore? Yeah, Forgotten Lore, yeah, yeah. Draw Gain Life, um, and then we had another one uh, at four mana that was basically the same thing, just like draw. No, oh, okay, uh, this is another thing that's hilarious. We have Priest of Ancient Lore. That's what it which is. Just two in white, two one, gain a life, draw a card. So basically, our favorite angel from the previous or the current set, I guess, without flying, angel. which is which is still a busted common in conventional limited formats. Yeah. But also at common, we have Roving Harper, which is two in a white for a two two draw card. Yeah. So it's like kind of funny. They they just said, okay, these cards are kind of similar, but whatever, just throw them in there. <laughs> Yeah, they put a lot of redundancy in here, and I'm 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 wondering why that is. But anyways, I didn't mention those cards because in those color sets, they're not as important to me. But this one is very important to me. Uh, two in a black for a two-two Phyrexian Horror. Whenever Phyrexian Rager uh, enters the battlefield, draw a card and lose a life. So it's, uh, I guess, strictly worse is the the motto there. But for black, it's highly relevant because usually, I mean, this card always is like ETBs draws you a card, sacrifices it to your fodder and engine. And so uh, I think this card is going to be uh, a linchpin or a a fuel for a lot of decks. Um, and then my last card, Feed the Swarm. Um, it is a catch. It's a catch all in the sense that it kills an enchantment or a creature. You do lose life, but you have 40 life, and uh, just having one of these is probably going to be pretty relevant in most cases. Um, if anything, uh, if you need to remove uh, someone's, um, what this is called, the impetus or whatever, there's just a good enchantment. So I think just having one is highly recommended for your commander deck. But anyways, uh, I guess we should move on to the uncommons, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is one thing I thought about putting Scythe in mind because I think I, I love that card. Yeah, that card's good. <laughs> I like Scythe in mind. But then I'm kind of thinking it's like I don't think the cards you'll be drawing are good enough to warrant the negative attention you'll be getting for casting that card. Yeah, that's fair. Regular commander though, let's go. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. All right, uncommons. I had uh, number one, ravenous chupacabra. Uh, good old Ixalan or Explorers of Ixalan. Explorers of Ixalan um, reprint it is two and a double black for two two that destroys a creature when it ETBs. So it's like I I like the re- removal or interaction staple to creatures more so than the just straight up spells because I was like all right we're doing a thing but we're also advancing our board state somewhat. I mean we're adding a two two. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here, but still something you're adding onto the board. And there's other cards that will make it possibly more than that. Uh, so, and I just like Chupacabra as that value 2 2 that allows you to get more um, 
removal in your deck without the expense of uh, board progression. And then next up, uh, I was like, there's some interesting calls here I think we can make, but I defaulted to the funnest pick, and that's Dust Mangler. <laughs> and there, this, I, I picked this card for Capenna Limited, and it didn't quite play out the way I thought it would. But uh, this is Commander, damn it. This is, this is the format this card was meant for. So our good old five black black five four that you have an option of any one of a bunch of negative things that sacrifice a creature discarding a card or paying for life and then all your opponents have to do all of them. Uh, this is the format uh, my baby boy was born for, and so uh, I look forward to getting some dust mangling going on. What about you? I do too. I have a number one, so don't need to say much other than, yeah, basically some opponents is going to do minimal work and some opponents is going to wreck them. So, uh, and there's plenty of, re there's uh, a lot of uh, common reanimator spells. Um, there's even an uncommon one in a creature form. And so you're gonna be able to reanimate this guy over and over again pretty easily. And um, yeah, I think this is where he's going to shine. It's not that he didn't really do. He, I mean, he actually still does work in Nuka Penna. It just, it's not as consistent as you want it to be. Yeah, exactly. Because the thing is, the reanimator spell in that one is uh, uncommon, mm -hmm. and so it makes it a lot harder to there, to do those kind of shenanigans. There's actually two reanimations that uh, uncommon. There's the bone collar cleric that you mentioned. Oh, you're talking about this format. I'm sorry. Okay, so I was like, oh yeah, in this yeah, format, yeah. yeah. And the other one, and then also they put thwart the grave. Oh yeah, yeah. From this, oh, this rising to the battlefield. Uh, yes. Oh. You get to return that and up to one target uh, cleric, rogue, warrior, or wizard. Sally Dust Mangler is none of those, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Thor the Grave is actually, you can get the two things back. That's actually pretty bananas. Oh, yeah. It's nasty. No, Thor the Grave was up on my list. Um, however, Cloud Kill is my second one. Uh, four block black sorcery. All creatures get minus six minus X until in turn where X is the greatest mana value among commanders you control or in the commander zone. Um, this card could have easily been number one. It also could also be really low too um, because at six mana if you have uh, a commander you know if your if your partner pair if you will or whatever is uh, a low um, creature but high background then it won't do as much as it needs to but it's still basically a board wipe at uncommon and i think this card is it can still be very devastating um i mean board wipes are always going to be devastating honestly and especially in limited where everyone's like oh yeah i'm progressing my board like there's there's probably nothing that's going to wreck me and then this card comes in and basically wrecks them so um i didn't want to mention corpse auger that's another really cool card uh three and a black for a four two zombie wizard when corpse auger dies you draw x cards and lose x life or x is the number of creature cards in target player's graveyard kind of a really nice fuel um it doesn't have to be your graveyard it can be any player's graveyard that you target so if you've killed a lot of your opponent's creatures and they're in the yard you get to draw all those cards you will lose a lot of life too but that's also why it's nice to pick target player um but yeah uh and then chupacabra um, plague spitter was also on there two and a black for phyrexian horror it's really nice. So at the beginning of your upkeep, it deals one damage to you and each creature and each player. Uh, sorry, it deals one damage to each creature and each player. And when it dies, it does the same thing. So basically, uh, just keeps hitting the entire board uh, every turn. There's like a sulfuric vortex just to keep the game going. So some cool cards. I agree. I also kind of think Ghost Lantern's a trap. Ghost Lantern. 
read it. It's a single black equipment. Whenever uh, it, has, it goes for one, and whenever a creature you control dies, put a one-one counter on equipped creature. Huh. Um, I don't know if it's a trap, but it's definitely not amazing. Yeah. Then it also has an adventure that allows you to raise dead a creature back to your hand. Yeah. I just think it like. That's a. If I compare it to like the great sword of tear, I'm like, it's just so much easier to attack with a creature. Yeah, I think the sword is better for sure. Yeah. That's why we talked about the sword, not that one. We'll kick us off in red. All right, red commons. I have a number one. This is kind of a harder one for me. I have Fang Dragon, which is five red red, another huge creature. Seven mana for a 6-3 flyer. Uh, six damage in the air is pretty good. And then it has Forktail Sweep, one in a red for a sorcery. Uh, deals one damage to each creature you don't control. Uh, so it eliminates all them pesky X1s for uh, two mana, which is actually pretty good. But yeah, uh, it's, uh, I kind of in this situation, I kind of defaulted just towards uh, adventure being pretty good because it, it represents card advantage. Um, if you, even if like you cast this and you get two creatures or even just one creature, it's still kind of worth it. But then also a six power flyer um, can be very helpful for you towards the end of the game. Next up, I have Patron of the Arts, which is two in a red for a three one. When it ETBs or dies, make a treasure. Um, I'm going to be honest. My thinking towards when I actually added this one on my list is actually kind of funny to me. Because uh, there sh- I should be saying, I, I keep saying one. I'm not really in, in any specific order. I just like the order I saw them. I was like, okay, I'll add that to my list. Uh, but Patron of the Arts, it's kind of funny to me. Because ET- three mana, three one, when ETBs makes a treasure. I'm like, that's, that's very reasonable. Color fixing kind of ramps you. Um, the treasure leaving there's it's not really a red mechanic but treasures trigger permanent sleeping um but also when they the people probably wouldn't want to trade their x3s or whatever into this because then when it dies you get to get a bit more value as well so i find that kind of interesting also it, i guess it kind of sacks well sacking your three man thing kind of feels a little weird but if it dies well it makes you more mana then let's go next up i have javelin of lightning which is a two mana equipment for one in a red uh, equips for four. However, it has flash. When ETBs, you attach it. So you get the first equip for free to a creature you already have in play. And as long and it gives you... Oh, okay. I misread this card. Whoops. I didn't see as long as it's your turn clause there. I thought I just gave you equip creature plus two plus one first strike. So, um... Never mind. I don't like this card anymore. Get it out of here. Well, we'll talk about Lightning Bolt. Single red mana. Deals three damage. I think this card's going places. I think I have a future in certain uh, 1v1 formats, but here, um... You can kill your opponent in smaller things. Oh, so I got My other card is Pack Attack, which is two and a red for an instant. Attacking creatures gets plus X, plus O, and uh, the turn where X is the number of players being attacked. I feel like more often than not, it's going to be your creatures plus three, plus O. This card play, pairs very well with Flyers. And uh, the fact that it cantrips is probably the reason. If it was even like one red and took, they took off the cantrip, I probably wouldn't like it. But the fact that it cantrips is, I kind of like it. Uh, think, I'll try and find another card here. I think statistically, pack attack is either going to be plus one O or plus three O, and plus two O is almost never going to happen because <laughs> you're going to have uh, a myriad creature or. <laughs> that's very accurate. Um, you want me to let you uh, find another I... creature or, or card, I mean, or? I don't know. Uh, hmm. I'm not very excited. I kind of, I don't know, Reckless Barbarian in my Atali deck might seem kind of oh, yeah. cool. That's on my list. 
so then I won't I won't pick that one if that one's on on your list. Why make an argument well, for it? It's better if we make an argument for it than not. I'm gonna go with Carnelian Orb of Dragon Kind. You know, it's two in a red. It adds a red mana. It really ramps you. If you use it to cast, oh, I thought this was exclusive to Dragon Spells. That's actually pretty neat. Um, I don't know. Um, what do you think about Balls Invoker? It has eight mana, deal four damage to each opponent on a stable onto a three mana four two. That's pretty hilarious. Like if you have propaganda in play, then you just cast that, and then you just like, I'm gonna wait to eight mana and just keep doing that over and over and over and over. <laughs> And help my opponents don't interact with me. That's a win condition. Yeah, I mean it's not bad. I mean here, I'm I'm tired of hearing myself talk. Tell me what your list says. <laughs> so my first card uh, is also Adventure Dragon, but it's the Young Red Dragon, three and a red for a three-two dragon with flying. It can't block, but also has Adventure at instant speed for Bathe in Gold, one in red. Create a treasure token. I know you're not big on um, ramp in this in in this format in general, but I, th- I still think ramp is pretty important, especially in these other colors where, um, you know, basically they're not the non-green colors. Um, and, you know, it's just something that like hits your four, it gets you to four and five a lot faster. And there's just powerful things to do and commander in general. Plus it's a three, two flyer. Um, so that's fine. Like I really don't plan on blocking with this card most of the time anyway. Uh, my second one is reckless barbarian. Uh, so uh, one in a red for a two-two barbarian, a dragon barbarian, uh, common uh, sacrifice reckless barbarian to add two red mana. Um, I actually really like this card. I probably was really just considering putting it number one on my list. Um, it's a dragon at two mana. Uh, there's a lot of dragon matters in this format, um, and then it for it double ramps you essentially i mean you get two red extra so you can get to like you know six and seven a lot quicker really like this card also the art on this card is beast like i think this is one of the best art cards at common and i'm really glad that's a dragon so i actually think this one will find a spot in tiamat to be honest because it's one mana to ramp essentially so it's pretty sweet i mean ur dragon uh or the ur dragon excuse me yeah Sorry, Tiamat's my win con in there. But anyways, uh, at number three, Hoarding Ogre, another reprint. Keep touching on the reprints. Uh, <laughs> so three and a red for a 3-3 three, three Ogre. When it attacks, you roll a D20, one through nine, make one treasure, 19 through 19, or 10 through 19, you make two. And then if you get the winner, winner, chicken dinner, you make three. But again, another um, ramp spell. Uh, it's a 3-3, three, three, so it's not it's not super powerful, but it's not super menacing. Uh, and so there'll be a lot of times where it just ramps you into your big stuff. And this always worked really well with uh, Thieves Tools, which is in the set. And there's a lot of other ways you can give this uh, creature evasion. So pretty sweet card. Uh, and then my last card is Warehouse Thief. Uh, so an engine card here at three and a red for a four, two Typhling Rogue. Two and tap it, sacrifice an artifact or a creature, exile the top card of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play that card. Uh, really like this card because again, there's a lot of artifacts and treasures, uh, or there's just creatures, and so uh, red usually needs card draw, and this is a good way to get card draw. Um, so the honorable mention here, um, and I know Henry is going to make this card do tons and tons of work, is uh, Ganassi Enforcers, one in the red for a one-three elemental shaman. It has myriad, and then the other it and the other cop, or sorry, for one in a red creatures you control named Ganassi Enforcers get. 1-0 until end of turn. 
just a two drop that's automatically going to start pressuring your opponents really nice um and mr henry himself loves to uh put us on our back heels there so uh red uncommon sir righty uh my number one red uncommon was curse of opulence single red mana for or a curse champ player uh when enchanted players attack to create a gold token each opponent attacking that player does the same reprint from i don't know one of the prior commander sets forever ago uh this card is very good at getting people not to attack you but it also ramps you like i don't think ramps not important I just don't think it's as important as it is in regular commander, um, but it's still very, very useful. Incredibly so. Uh, being able to cast a spell to develop your board and maybe hold up a removal spell or some sort of interaction protection, maybe as a um, very uh, important for uh, getting ahead. And uh, I like this. Curse of is like one of the best is pure ramp spells in red. And it's, I feel like it'll be play out very well. In this format, both in terms of uh, how it'll help you in terms of ramping, but also in terms of like what I think is one of the stronger overall strategies is just trying to make sure that you get to uh, one of the last two players in the game. And then next up, uh, this is hard for me, actually. I ended up going with Amethyst Dragon, which is four red red for a four four flying haste Dargon. It also has explosive crystal for four and a red, which deals four damage divided among any number of targets. At sorcery speed. Not a huge fan of... I feel like 4 in a red was a bit much for explosive crystal. I think maybe 3 in a red would be better. Well, obviously it would be better. But... Because I think... This, no, I, I agree with you. This is, That was my hang-up, is that at 5 mana at sorcery speed, it's like high up there, but it's not... It's like just under the cards that I chose. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like... Yeah, I feel like, like if they went below 3 in a red, and then I kind of get like, okay, that's kind of maybe but i feel like in the context of which this card's gonna be played right they could have entirely gotten away with it yeah because um, you go five in the six so basically you spend a turn dealing with your stuff pass comes all the way back to you then you're playing a four four it's like eh, it's not that impactful you know mm-hmm. but i still think um at the end of the day uh adventure might get the card there mm-hmm. adventure just plays out well think of it as two cards in one yeah it represents card advantage um and it has haste, so it gets to attack immediately. Flying is broken. I don't know if I've said that before. Um, but yeah, so those are the two cards I picked. What about you? Um, yeah, actually, it's funny. I just realized that usually I go from last to first on my picks, but I guess order doesn't even matter that much to me today. So anyways, the first card on my list was Thunder Wave. Um, <clears throat> two red red. Sorcery, roll d d20, 1 through 9, deals 3 damage to each creature, 10 through 19, you may choose a creature, and uh, Thunder Wave deals 3 damage to each of the non-chosen creatures, and then Chicken Dinners, 6 damage to each creature and opponent controls. Um, 4 mana, mini board wipe, I think there's a, there's plenty of X3s uh, in this format, and so I think it's going to be a pretty good removal spell, all things considered. Um and you know if you get lucky through the 10th or 19 you'll get to save one of your things if it's small enough so pretty good card just overall the second card i, I was really interesting to me I'm, I'm curious how this is going to play out it's a uh, blood boil sorcerer three and a red for a three three human shaman when it enters the battlefield you take the initiative crown of madness uh so one in a red sacrifice an artifact or a creature 
go target creature. So this card, um, it's kind of funny. It, it reminds me of propaganda in the sense that it's going to be very annoying for opponents to hit you, especially if they aren't like a token go wide strategy. You know, if they have like one or two creatures that are pretty big, um, you can protect yourself or you can initiate it to attack other people. Uh, I think this card is going to be really good. Uh, honestly, I might have just wanted to put it at number one, but again, order doesn't matter here. Uh, but really interesting design. Uh, I think it's like uh, actual commander playable, like outside of, uh, you know, just the limited format. Same is really strong to me. I'm really probably going to enjoy trying to put something together with this. Um, honorable mention in here. Um, actually, I had two of them. Uh, Amber Gris- Gristle Omal, three in a red for a 3-3 three, three Dwarf Cleric Legendary Haste. When it attacks, you may discard your hand. If you do, draw cards for each player being attacked. Um, just a refill your hand kind of card, especially if you have Myriad. It seems really cool. Don't know how it'll actually play out, but um, it, it seems like, you know, it's exactly what Red wants to do and, like, keep pressuring in these kind of formats. The other one was uh, Gut, uh, sorry, Gut, uh, True Soul Zealot, two in a red for a 2-2 Goblin Shaman. Whenever you attack, you may sacrifice another creature or artifact. If you do, create a 4-1 bl- black skeleton creature token name or with Menace that's tapped and attacking. Uh, again, uh this <laughs> turning your treasures into four ones and in your opponent seems really really good um and this again will be probably one of henry's favorites as well so imagine i'll see that card enough but anyways another uh honorable mention i guess for me would be two-handed axe which is two and a red for a equipment equips for one red whenever a quick creature attacks double its power but also has the adventure of uh, one and a red sweeping cleave instant uh gives target creature double strike uh, that could be a neat combat trick in certain situations, um, but also um, it just represents a lot of damage, I think. Oh, yeah. And you slap, slap this boy into any, like, creature with evasion, I feel like it could turn uh, pretty... Uh, it could be a strong player, I think. For sure. Play, I, I feel like you'll end up wanting, like, some piece of equipment that just turns any, like, creature that might not be very relevant into some sort of threat. Like, two-handed axe might be fine. I think the best one we've seen so far is the great sword. Like, yeah, it's weird of the great sword. I agree with you. I think it's like just the best one at rate for what it mm-hmm. does. So, but then like after that, I think two-handed axe might be good. Like putting uh two power uh flyer up to four uh is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But you get a, a three power flyer somehow, and then get that up to six, and I think we're we're cooking. You put that thing on a fang dragon. There we go. <laughs> All right, green time. The home stretch. Let's do this. Finish this. This is actually going a lot, a lot longer than I thought. All right. Uh, for my list at number one, I have Dread Lino Worm, and oh, I'm still on uncommons. <laughs> Lol. Uh, Dread Lino Worm is six in a green. Another seven mana spell. Look at me, only seven mana spells, and I want to stay alive till the end of the game. How silly. Uh, Dread Lino Worm can't be blocked by creatures with power three or less. Normally you see two, but three is actually pretty relevant. So yeah, it's a big bodied snake dragon. I thought they call it linoworm. It's just linorm. Uh, for some reason, I just thought this was like a crawl worm kind of thing, but I no, know. it's a, it's a snake dragon. Um, but yeah, so it, it's hard. It's a, it doesn't get chumped well, but it's a big creature. So, and it blocks well, but it also has an adventure scale deflection, three and a green 
Instant put two plus one plus one counters on target creature and on tap it against Hexproof until end of turn. So there is the card that played out in Eldrain, which was a tree folk that you just played it out on turn four, put counters on one, put two hundred counters on a creature. Then you play it out later. This is like that, but just bigger. Yeah, it's like juiced. And, and it's like and it's like instant speed. And it also gets, so it's like a protection spell. Four mana is a lot for a protection spell, but the bit. This card in a vacuum, you look at it like, okay, that's just silly value. Like that's a lot for like that effect, I think. But the fact that you put that on like a like a three power flyer or whatever, now it's a five power flyer, and you goozled their removal spell, and then eventually later in the game you're gonna drop the seven six that's hard to block. I think it just represents a lot of value in a way to probably close out the game and also protect yourself and probably stay alive as well. I feel like this just fits a lot of what you're gonna be wanting to be doing, especially at uh, common. Next up. I put Edder Cap because I went all in on my strategy. Four and a green for a two five with reach. Uh, seems like a bit much, but it also has web shot two and a green for destroy target creature with flying. So it's plummet. Uh, there's a lots of dragons here. Lots of dragons, lots of wings, lots of flying. Um, main deckable plummet seems pretty good. Two five blocks a lot of stuff in this. A lot of the flyers just have four power. So this blocks a lot of the flyers. It just blocks well and also has is a way to get uh, plummet in your deck when you might not just want to be running plummet. So I feel like it has utility there. Adventure creatures always for the win represents card advantage as well. Next up, I have Druid of the Emerald Grove. And this Druid is three and a green for a two-two dwarf dwarf druid. When it ETBs, search all for up to two basic lands, reveal them, then roll a D20. One through nine, you put those cards in your hands, into your hand, and then shuffle. So at worst, it's a four-mana two-two that basically draws you two lands. The 10 through 19. You just put one of those onto the battlefield tapped and then the other into your hand. So you're 10 through 19, you basically get to cultivate. And then the 20, you get to explosive vegetation and just put them into your onto the battlefield. Uh, like I said, I'm kind of deferring towards the creature versions of these effects. Like I, I kind of like Chupacabra over like a murder, for example. Um, sacrifice a bit of the spell utility for the, the board development. Uh, this doesn't always ramp you, but it represents uh quite a bit of card range. like even like four mana two two make sure you hit your next two land drops is actually pretty good because you, you this is this is going to be like you emphasize in competitors that like you really want to hit your early land drops in this format you're going to be wanting to hit all of your land drops um so i feel like this card has a lot of utility there and like at worst it represents card advantage at best it does that and also ramps you next up i have you meet in a tavern this is a Fan favorite here over at the MTG Untapped podcast in the AFR um, limited days because we are we, we both really loved AFR limited and this was an all star there two green it was an uncommon then though right yep and now it's downshifted to common two green green for a sorcery choose one form a party look at the top five of your library reveal any number of creatures and put those in your hand the rest go on the bottom in a random order or you start a brawl creatures control get plus two plus two and don't turn. So it's either a pretty strong ramp spell or not ramp spell, a draw spell. You can draw like sometimes I draw like upwards of like three, four, possibly. Sometimes I, one time I hit all five. That felt really good. Sometimes you might whiff. However, like that's so rare. You don't really count on that. It is a 60 card so, format. So it'll be it'll it'll mm-hmm. probably end up being like one point five to two cards. But even then, yeah, you shouldn't whiff. So. And it's a way to sneak in more uh, ways to pr- kind of close out the game. 
it's not a full on overrun. It doesn't give like trample or anything. But if you have any sort of like, or you have trample on your creatures already or flying, menace, anything like that, um, mean the tavern won't be a, a top deck that'll make you cry. And at worst, it represents um, a draw spell that offers you more utility than just drawing cards. So those are the four I picked. What about you? Yep. So number one, I also have uh, Dread Lenorm um, for the same reason you said. Seven six dragon closes out the game, and the protection spell is really nice on here. Uh, very few instances where I would main deck it, but since it's a creature with late game advantage, it's pretty awesome. Uh, my second card is Yumi in the Tavern for all the reasons you just said. Um, card draw is pretty important in green especially if you end up mono green and so um, even though like you said there might be a chance where you whiff um, you know more than not you'll probably like I said like I'm gonna I'm gonna look at like 1.5 so basically two on average if I get lucky I'll hit three or four um, there's also a lot of go wide strategies with tokens so that plus two plus two will also finish off the game as you pointed out uh, number three carefree swine master so this is a pretty cool card it is a two in a green for a one four gnome ranger. When uh, Carefree Swine Master attacks, you can pay one in a green. And if you do create a two two boar creature token that's tapped in attacking, often you'll have uh, chances to um, hit a free opponent. You know, it's a one four, so it's not going to die to too many things early on. Um, and just creating tokens and attacking seems really nice. And so well, this is a pretty good card to have. Uh, especially with all the, like I said, the creatures leaving because when the creature dies, it leaves, right? And so it's a token, making tokens, et cetera, et cetera. So pretty neat card. Uh, and then number four, um, <laughs> this is actually kind of a, a very a um, boring pick, but it's Avenging Hunter, four uh, green for a Dragon Ranger, five, four with Trample. And when it ETBs, you take the initiative. My thought process behind here was uh, if we look back to the old games, 5-4 uh, with Trample is pretty relevant. You can suit it up. It's a dragon for the Dragon Matter themes. Um, so, And then you get to Mini Monarch on it, which is pretty nice. So I think all those things stapled onto it just makes it enough of a, of a hitter that I, I kind of want in the deck. Um, and again, to get that initiative rolling, or the dungeon, I should say, rolling is, is pretty sweet. Um uh, I do want to point out that, uh, you know, you kind of alluded to this. You want ramp on creatures. I chose none of the ramp cards for the simple reason there are a ton of them in here. You have Kudama's Reach, Cultivate, Explore, which is Pseudo, uh, and Nature's Lore, and Sakura Tribe Elder. So you have quite a bit. Oh, and Search for, Search for tomorrow. tomorrow. You have quite a bit here. Uh, I imagine that you getting ramp is not going to be hard um I, I still think it's important it's just not going to be high on the pick order because there should be a ton of it and that's not counting some of the creatures and stuff that you have here uh, we said secure tribe elder but i think there's a couple others that actually also put lands mm. in the field or at least in your hand mm. so um plenty of stuff there i i fully agree with you i think like i'd want to run all the ones that are attached to creature maybe not secure tribe elder because he's just rampant growth like He's a ramp of growth that sometimes might fog a creature. It has little, like, it has you little block it and sack it. The field and stuff, but it's... Oh, like, that's true. That, that's very that's very true, too. Yeah. Although, I don't know, getting into three color might be tricky without the, like, more rare and... Uh, the dragon itself. Because that's typically, like, a that's a, a black-white mechanic as opposed to green, so getting the green in there might be a bit tricky. But... Um, the green-white's kind of a thing, though. 
Oh, that's true. Um, but yeah, there's so like, oh, well, this is a good segue into the uncommons because mm-hmm. my number one uncommon is actually Beanstalk Giant. Yeah, it's a good, <laughs> good old, another good old Eldrain card. Six in the green for a star star Beanstalk Giant's power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. Then it has fertile footsteps, two in a green. It's rampant growth. You search for a basic, put on. Oh, it doesn't. No, it's it's a um, puts on the baffle untapped. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so being so giant, it was a player in standard. It was a. Uh, I feel like I put it in a few EDH decks like straight up. It, it's a, it'll be the biggest creature on the battlefield most of the time. It ramps you, and so I I'd play like if I saw like because like you said they put in all the ram spells. Cultivate Kodama's Reach, Dangerous Lore, three visits, which is hilarious because they put two, one of each at common and uncommon, just like to like poke fun at us, I guess. But yeah, so I'd take Beanstalk Giant over all those. Uh, maybe not Nature's Lore because I just want to add more of those to my collection mm-hmm. uh, for like actual EDH decks. But if I'm trying to be the best uh, magic player I can be, I'd be taking Beanstalk Giants over those just because like getting the additional creature is like so important. And it'll probably always be the biggest creature on the battlefield. And if you have any other way to like give that boy any form of evasion, um, then uh, I think you're you're cooking. Then uh, after that, I have Owl Bear Shepherd. Uh, Owl Bear Shepherd is two and a green for a one four, blocks very well. Goblin Druid, a green goblin. Uh, this is at the beginning of your end step. If creatures you control have total power eight or greater, draw a card. Uh, I feel like that's going to be very easy to do. There's lots of big stuff in the set. A lot of ways of like bumping up the power temporarily. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of ways to trigger this boy. And he's a creature that blocks well. That also represents card advantage. So I think he's going to be of strong value. So those are two I picked for green uncommon. All right. Well, I'll wrap it up. Uh, my first pick is a page out of your book. It's giant ink hedge uh six green green so eight mana total for eight eight insect with trample war two other creatures you control have trample and war two um i just mean page out of your book as in you really like the um blue dragon turtle and this is a big bodied uh hard to kill not as hard but still war two's pestering enough uh creature uh also i just like the little sheep that it's about to eat poor little sheep but um yeah i mean just gives your team evasion at eight mana um or pseudo evasion i should say uh, at least it gets damaged i should say with trample also seems pretty sweet um and then my second card of course uh if i really loved baby baby yoda grogu then uh i'm gonna want um Dijarin. what's his name the his actual name mando's name Dijarin. dinjarin yeah dinjarin himself so the owl shepherd owlbearer shepherd as well yeah should be easy to trigger um uh, again green wants the card draw and uh this will do it so and it's a one four so just a nice little body on it um yeah so um that is the wrap-up for our cards just a little quick uh, question. How do you feel about it overall? You, how do you think the format's going to play out? Um, I, I think it's going to... It looks like it's going to be pretty fun. I think there's a lot of redundancy here. But um, there should be some some fun stuff to go on. Yeah, I think there's a lot of redundancy. I feel like they're going to be forcing us to be a little bit more creative. Because mm-hmm. it seems like there's not a lot of stuff, obviously powerful stuff like there was in Commander Legends 1. Right. Uh, even in these uh, lower uh, rarities. Uh, there's still some juice there at rare and mythic, but um, I feel like it's gonna be the games. I I worry that 
the games are going to be a bit more grindy, mm-hmm. even though like they were already pretty grindy in Commander Legends One. But um, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm kind of struggling to form my opinions about it because there's a lot of cards I'm like, oh, these cards are pretty cool, and there's a lot of cards I'm like, I don't feel like you're going to be doing enough to like actually advance the game. I think you hit the so, nail on the head, though. I, I think it is forcing us to be really creative, and that's what I'm kind of excited for. Um, there might just be the standout, you know, pair that you get with, uh, you know, the, either in the uncommons or the pair of, you know, creature to background that's just like overpowered. But I'm really hoping that's not the case. And because of that, uh, like you just said, like there's going to be, I mean, we should see a lot of different decks. Like the, some of the plans might be the same, like, okay, because the theme of it in, in green or whatever is big creature matters and white as creatures leaving, but we should see different ways of how it plays out with these different um, background and, and legendary creatures. So I'm pretty excited for it. I'm in the same way with some people where, you know, there's no jewel lotus here. There's not like an immediate money card, but sometimes it's just nice to play magic. I mean, you know, I, I just like playing magic and having a, a toolbox of stuff. And, and there's still going to be things here worth money. So I'm not worried about, the pools or anything like that so well all righty i think that'll do it for our little primerish thing for commander legends 2 electric boogaloo battle for baldur's gate the uh, costa is there anything else you would like to talk about today yep i just have one quick pick um so my quick pick today is welcoming vampire from uh the double feature silver screen edition foil so the black and white super hard to find because there's not a lot of those copies out there Currently, it's at $23. I expect it to go to $40 in a year. Current listings, there's only $30 left. Um, it's in 5% of all white commander decks already, which is pretty good. <clears throat> and as I stated before, it's a low print run. So um, you shouldn't be able to crack too many more of these. Uh, it would take a big operation. Like um, there's some on TCG. I can't forget remember the name. Like Game game Something or whatever, where they'll, they'll mass crack uh, if they can get their hands on it. But uh Again, we're kind of past that limit now where uh, it's going to be pretty hard for them to actually get some more, their hands on more boxes. So that is my pick for today. Mr. Micah, take us home. That will do it for this, the 72nd episode of the MTG Untapped Podcast. What did you think about what we talked about this week? Are you excited for Commander Legends 2? Let us know on Twitter, MTG Untapped Pod, or at Facebook, MTG Untapped Podcast. And if you have any other ideas for stuff you would like us to talk about, shoot us an email at untappedmailbag at gmail.com. And please uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. Rate and leave us a review. We'd very much appreciate it. And as always, support your local LGS. Uh, that's right. I, is that kind of a stutter? I said local LGS, a local local game store. Well, whatever. Shout outs to Junior's Comics and Cards located in South Austin, off Slaughter and Manchester near the HEB. Shout out to Alpha Strike Gaming in San Marcos and Force of Will Gaming in Bastrop. That will do it for this edition of the MTG Untapped Podcast. I hope everyone has a great and wonderful time. Hope you all have a great time at Commander Legends pre-release event this weekend. And as always, keep on tapping! Is it, should I say that moving forward, guys? Let me know uh, uh, all the other avenues you just saw. Uh, uh, I've been the Micah. He's been Costa. See you later, guys. Bye!